Welcome to Planner Parlay, a show where we come together under a flag of truce to talk about small agency planning. With technology seemingly taking over our lives, is it also taking over our brand strategies? To find out, we're talking with Reg Adolfo, Chief Strategy Officer at 360i, and Fred Garantabi, Chief Experience Officer at FGX International and Essilor Company, two experts in applying technology for brand building, as they join John Roberts, CSO at Truth Collective in Rochester, New York, to break down how tech can enable brands, but why it isn't and never can replace the idea, and what that means for small agencies. Pull up a chair and listen in. Thank you for joining us for yet another Planner Parlay podcast. Uh, today's episode, I think, is based around a theme where technology is not the idea. The idea is the idea. But one of the things that I really want to probe and learn more about from my great guest today is, is technology the bright and shiny that we're all attracted to? Or is it really, and how can it be used as a connective thread that really drives stronger purpose between brands and consumers? So today, I'm going to chat and listen and learn from two great guests. Uh, welcome, Reg Adolfo, Chief Strategy Officer at 360i. And my second guest, Fred Garantabi, Chief Experience Officer at FGX, which is an SLO Luxottical company. Welcome, Fred. Why don't we jump straight in? Reg, when you and I started this conversation, um, you said, I really want to talk about technology-enabled ideas. So start there. What do you mean by technology-enabled ideas? Absolutely. Uh, this is something that really kind of uh, thrills me a little bit because, you know, honestly, we live right now, um, we live in a fascinating time for marketers. You know, there's just so many toys we can play with right now. Uh, search, data, voice, AR, VR, wearables, edibles, 5G-enabled stuff, uh, IoT, and much more. So in my experience, uh, you know, everybody wants to leverage that, but in my experience, the, the best way to leverage all of these technologies is through a very strong sense of uh, intentionality, uh, which means, you know, not using tech for the sake of tech, but, you know, uh, tech is not the idea, but using it to enable a very powerful idea. Uh, usually people skip that step of the idea, so they get so excited about the technology and how to explore it that they just go for it. Um, without really finding a proper role for it to play within the ecosystem of that brand uh, and the experience, which leads to a uh, certain death <laughs> of that technology or that yeah. app and or Fred, that investment. Especially that in your made. background and history in terms of coming up from the, the technology perspective as well, both agency and now client side. How does a technology-enabled idea work for you? I mean, I think the uniform philosophy should be that it's very much idea first. I mean, you know, as Reg said, technology is a huge enabler and something that's ubiquitous to us right now, um, you know, and in so many different shapes and forms. So I think ultimately certain truths are, are still hold, which is that we're trying to solve pain points. We're trying to communicate something. And I think marketing is really communication of those things. It is communicating something effectively to a consumer and to a population. But nowadays, there's also a level of service that is expected with that and connectivity. And I think that's what technology does brilliantly. That being said, um, if you go technology first down and say, okay, well, we're going to do something with, uh, you know, with bots or to do something with AI or with voice, uh, the problem is, is you're starting, you're trying to essentially find a uh, <laughs> a question that, that matches an answer versus the other way around. Yeah. So I think it's effective to be able to think about what is the pain point that we're trying to solve? What is the message you're trying to communicate? And then look at different types of technology and platforms as tools or building blocks. And that's the philosophy that's been fairly uniform from 
for me, um, both through agency and client side. Got it. It seems to, to me that we're experiencing technology as aiding utility, okay, so simplifying things, and also technology to not just simplify, but amplify from an emotional connection. Is that fair? Is that too narrow? No, I think that's about right. And I think if you look at, um, you know, what it does well is connectivity. And that connectivity can mean something very utilitarian, like a con connecting a consumer to a service, to a brand, or to a need. It could also be connectivity amongst people and a population or target that you're trying to effectively convey a message to. So I think it, while it's probably there's some gray area in there, I think that binary approach uh, really touches on a lot of things that uh, encompass the whole ecosystem. Got it. And of course, it, the binariness is interesting, right? Because you can also overlay because whilst it can add utility, it could also do it in a manner that has that, that connective thread that you're talking about. So what are the wrong questions to start with? Okay, bear in mind, we're, we're talking of this as a pod for strategists in, in all agencies, but with the emphasis on small agency. What do you think are the wrong questions to start with? When it comes to like to a brief for this for this kind of project, yes. Um, when we're thinking about the, <laughs> the the notion of what Fred's talking about as technology as an enabler for an idea, yeah, and it's, uh, I think uh, my opinion at least the wrong question to start with are questions related to the actual tech. Like you know, uh, the question, for example, how do we use Twitter? How do we use AI? How do we use wearables for you know for our brand? Uh, I think that's the wrong question to start because it kind of really kind of uh, it's it's myopic and it forces whoever the partner agencies are to just focus on creating the idea based on the tech, not the other way around. Um, right. I think that that makes, you know, it's inevitable that I speak to the other side of this thing as well. And I love what Fred was saying, the whole thing about, you know, it's designed to solve a problem. Uh, there's a lot of talk about problem solving, but people forget that problem solving is more about the problem than the solving. Right. You really need to have you really need to find what the problem is. What are what is the problem you're trying to solve for the brand? Uh, and then what problems are we trying to solve for the people uh, that the brand serves, you know, throughout their journey and throughout the CX of this brand entirely? Uh, and how can you bring that to life? And then we see that. OK, great. What tech is available uh, to make that happen? So, you know, truth is today, pretty much anything is possible because of the amount of tech and coding and, 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 and digital, uh, uh, you know, marvelous uh, things that we have out there. So we can virtually create anything. Uh, we need more anythings to create. And those anythings needs to be based on an actual need, not just, you know, for the sake so of itself. Fred, when you think about picking up from what Reb was saying, how have you found is the best way to direct the conversation, picking up on where to start, where best to start? Um, I, you know, I think uh, it kind of comes back to, again, and I've been in many rooms where the wrong question has been asked, right? <laughs> and, and generally it starts with, hey, um, we want to do something with autonomous cars. What can we do? Right. And it's kind of like, here's a technology, here's a client, let's somehow connect that. And, and, and there's so much wrong with that, right? First, you have to flip that around. If you land on autonomous cars, you land on something else, so be it. Uh, but I think the way to steer the conversation is what are we trying to do in the first place, right? And there's a couple of factors to this. Are we trying to 
what are we trying to do for the brand? First of all, are we trying to cast the brand in a positive light? Are we trying to make them seem innovative? Are we trying to drive a service-driven uh, mindset? There's there's so many things that are really, I think, have to be tethered to what the brand stands for. And it really operates at the highest strategic levels. And then the next thing is, for this particular instance, what are we trying to do? And what are we trying to do can either be, what are we trying to communicate or uh, create sentiment around? What are we trying to solve for from a service standpoint or both? Um, and so I think that's really the way to steer the conversation. I've had to do that on a few occasions where you kind of backpedal everybody. It's kind of like, okay, guys, chill. Let, before we get to this, let's answer a few questions first. And I think that's where uh, a good brief can be helpful. So I think really it's, it's, uh, peddling back some of those conversations to there's a few things we skipped here a few thoughts that we have to have first before we can get down to the what and that's the why right and the why is a combination between um, what is it that we are trying to relay on behalf of the brand and is it true to what the brand stands for and the second thing is um, you know what is what is it the specific thing we're trying to either execute or communicate and then from there, we have a much better, and I would say much clearer lens for which to refine our options, whether that's platforms we may use, whether it is a, uh, you know, social media as a megaphone, whether it's new technology as a demonstrator of that. So I'm gonna pick up on that question about the, the brief thread, because I think it impacts all of us. Um, and me personally, honestly, because I consider, as we know from how this pod is running so far in connecting that I'm technology clunky. When we think about technology as an enabler of ideas, what, what impact should we be thinking about as planners for the input to achieve an idea, the input of the brief, and then I'm thinking about the thread of the output from the brief in terms of the people that receive the brief. Does that make sense? Should we be changing the input, the brief first? Absolutely. The, the the input absolutely needs to be the, the place where we start. And I've seen a number of projects that either started with the wrong brief or no brief at all, right? Which is the latter of which obviously is a no-no. But I think the wrong brief can hurt things as well because a brief is a representation of a, an omission of what you're trying to do. That's your charter, right? And depending on who wrote, writes that brief and if they're taking that same philosophy, you're either going to get exactly what we we're just talking about on paper or not. I think the inputs need to change. And I think what you always have to do is consider the fact that you're gonna be working with a cross-functional team. And really the one thing you can ground everybody in is sort of what's the brand truth at that moment? Who are we working for? Which, you know, and most people generally know that, but you know, where does the brand stand today? What are, what are its values and what are its challenges as a brand? Because ultimately you're not just trying to solve for a moment or a thing, you're trying to solve a higher order brand challenge, which is to either uh, communicate the brand's message more effectively to position them as a leader or position them as an innovator. So that really needs to be the first place you start because that's ultimately when you measure this up, that's, what, that's how high it has to go. So that brief does need to ground everybody in, okay, who are we working for here? And what are we trying to do? Going down a step, you know, what do we perceive as the way in which we're going to do that? And what is it that we're trying to solve? And then from there, it's what is the best way to solve that? And you can't get to that last step without going through the first two. So I think having that proper background, having that grounding and kind of resetting an entire cross-functional team is really a great first step. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that you know, no matter what team I'm, I'm leading, at least you know, no matter the agency that I'm working with or the client, I always try to focus the brief on 
like the strategy itself being a role for that brand to play in, in people's lives, which is to say, I think it's already an evolution, uh, right? With what Fred is saying, like it's already an evolution of briefs that we see in many meetings and in many agencies as well. Sometimes like the brief is about what we're trying to say, right? So you're not trying to say anything. Sometimes you have to, what the, what role this brand is going to play in people's lives. Uh, it opens up the spectrum of ideas you can have uh, to even house the use of utility and technology uh, as an expression of that idea. I'm going to give, to give you an example of that. For example, I think when we created uh, the Westworld uh, for, for you know, the, the Westworld, the maze uh, voice app that we created, um, you know, it was the first uh, immersive uh, voice game made with AI as well. Basically, this is about Westworld, the show that everybody loved at HBO. Um, the thing is that between seasons, you know, there's so many shows for you to to watch, and and shows usually take six to to six months to a year uh, to come back with a new season. How do you keep people engaged in the plot uh, with the characters and everything else? So that could have been a campaign. The brief was about like you know how do we? It was a very open question. How do we keep people engaged? And with the budgets. And this, the landscape, the competitive landscape, basically there are many answers you can have there, but then we decided, you know what? I think the best way to keep people in is to extend the show between seasons somehow. Keep people in the plot, you know, with the characters, uh, dreaming about it, uh, keep the plot going and alive in people's lives. So since the audience uh, of this show over-indexes with gamers, be that heavy gamers or light gamers, um, and the show is about AI, we landed on a voice game as the campaign itself, um, which kept, you know, it was very successful. It kept people in uh, and it, you know, it stretched those dollars much farther than any social or, or advertising campaign could have done. Um, and again, we thought of, of tech as a solution, not the solution. So the brief never started with what tech we're going to yeah, use. It started with what problem we're trying to solve. We talked about earlier with the, the problems more important than the, the solving, Greg. So just carry that thought through because this is interesting to me because Fred, it will connect back to what you were talking about earlier. When you think about that brief, Greg, and the people that work from the brief, in order for us to have technology and, and enabled ideas, how critical is technology expertise in the team that's receiving the brief? It sounds like a really simple answer, but tell me what you think. In, in my opinion, at least, I mean, working with the teams that I have, uh, because 360i is a, is a fully integrated agency, and there's a lot of people with a lot of um, knowledge about tech. You know, I think it's important for everyone on the team to be versed enough to know you know, what, at least what the different technologies available are. They don't have to know everything about everything, but it's important for them to, to have a, a good sense of what's out there. Uh, and I say that because otherwise, I mean, no one is supposed to, I don't think anyone has to be, anyone have to be a, a specialist, an expert on tech, um, but you have to be able to understand, okay, where can I take this? Uh, and then connect to someone who is an expert. Yeah, so that, that sounds like the team need to have a general understanding and an absolute enthusiasm for what technology is available without knowing the depth of it to begin with. Is that fair? Yeah, exactly. So, and also be, be you know, it's, people have to be curious about what's out there constantly. You know, new emerging techs and fading tech, 
that is out there as well. Be be generally informed about all that's out there, and then someone is going to Excellent. pick it up. Fred, how about from your perspective, your breadth and depth of experience? I, I agree with Reg, and I think you know it, it does not require people to be an expert. And I, I think I look at it as if you're our creative director, if you're a designer, your job and your your continued evolution is is dependent on understanding what is happening in culture, what is happening from a trend, a design standpoint, and so on, depending on what uh, part of the spectrum you're on. Um, the same expectation really needs to go for some of these other things because they are becoming our building blocks, right? Trend uh, zeitgeist uh, is represented by what we are seeing in social media. It's what is um, you know, being displayed through a lot of this new technology and and uh, and digital channels. So it it is important to be tethered to those things, even just from a consumption perspective. And again, it's not to take a bunch of folks and say, okay, you guys are now going to be retrained as engineers. I mean, the reason that uh, people like me, for example, existed for many years as creative technologists is we were able to. Um, understand in depth how a particular piece of technology worked and what its capabilities are, were, but we were also able to stay connected to the idea and the strategy. And I think that ultimately, if you're in this process, um, you know, in a multidisciplinary team, you should have a general idea of what is out there. And again, it's more about really what you see and less about getting under the hood. Um, all of us are consumers of social media in one shape or form or another. We all use technology on a momentary basis. And I think it pays to look at it through the eyes of a consumer rather than trying to engineer it upwards. And again, as Reg said, um, if you're fortunate, you have people in your stable who are uh, versed in this in a much more, I would say, deep expertise way who can be one of those inputs to say, cool, this makes perfect sense. Let's shape this idea and let's um, let's discuss what the capabilities are versus the idea that we're trying to put forward. Yeah, that's great perspective. So if we don't have a Fed in the room, what tips have you got for all of us in terms of how we can start to become more curious or, or get some of that imagination going? You know, it's it's an interesting question because I, I think that part of the answer can be stated as here's some things you can do, but I think inherently you have to be a curious person, right? It's got to be something in you. And I think, you know, I'm fortunate that, you know, I've worked with so many people, obviously, Reg included, but many of our other colleagues who were very curious. And I find that in the agency world, inherently, a lot of people are curious, and that's kind of what's driven us to that side of the industry is kind of exploring the unknown challenges, like looking at what's happening in culture. But I think inherently you do have to be a curious person. Now in how you extrapolate that into applying that curiosity, I think it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's exploring what's happening that's new. It's uh, asking more questions about the technology that you witness and engage with. So while on one hand you do use it as a consumer, it's like, you know, understand a little bit more about how it works, you know, what makes, uh, you know, I use a voice device in my house. What makes that run? How are other people using this? Is this a fad or is this something that actually has utility value? Unfortunately, a lot of this information is readily available, whether through consult or through statistics or through content online. So it really doesn't take a lot. I think it's just like anything else. You know, if, if uh, old school research, right? It's you, 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 you dig deeper into some of the things that interest you um, and that spark your curiosity and try and learn as much as you can uh, without obviously reinventing your life, your career and your skill set. But I think inherently curiosity needs to be in you and it's way beyond the technology side. Um, and I think when I see people who are curious about technology, they're inherently 
curious people who like to learn. And that's a harder trait to take on if it's not in your nature. Fortunately, like I said, um, very much an agency world, that's a common thread, uh, whether you're a creative person, a tech person, strategist, and so on. Um, there are industries where that's less prevalent, but fortunately in, within agency world, that's a, that's a big thing, so. Yeah, great. And it's, it's funny because I'm smiling, Fred, because I, I talk here about, I worry about in the world that we're living in today, okay, we're losing this, what I call it, this time of wandering, okay, and I mean the, the, the wordplay, the wandering of what if, the imagination, but also the wandering of just go and explore without a specific end result in mind, but exploring and, and, and being inquisitive, I think, will make us much, much smarter. Greg, from your experience, Agency World, any, any tips like to build on what Fred was saying? Yeah, I mean, like, like Fred was saying, I mean, from an agency world, we have like, you know, uh, Google, Apple, Facebook, uh, Twitter, all of these folks always coming in and Snap and TikTok talking to us about what's the latest, you know, they have in terms of lens, you know, uh, integrations and in, in, in tech and AI, AR, VR, all those things. So we have that a lot. But uh, funny enough, I, I agree, like, you know, that it's just a good old, good old fashioned web search sometimes go there and say what's the latest on ar what's the latest on voice what's the latest on vr you know um 5g and you learn a lot about those things right in the first hit uh and you know it's good to just have a, a refresh of that like once a month at least for teams that are not used to work with technology just going there for every every now and then and sharing with the team what you've learned but also if you have a, you know, if you subscribe to Wired or to Fast Company uh, and other uh, um, publishers like that, you got, you got, you know, little by little, you get a lot of knowledge coming in in terms of how technology is used, adopt, adopted, and also how uh, how are brands innovating through the use of technology. So there, there are people who are great experts, uh, just a, a subscription away from from you. That you can really kind of uh, uh, drink from that, uh, and um, the other thing, like a lot, of, a lot of things are uh, again are widely available. But if if you're an agency, you can always reach out to, uh, you know, to Google or, or or Facebook and 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 ask for you know for what's up and, and ask for for what's uh, what are they working on um, as a partner. And, and I'm sure they can share a lot yeah, of great. stuff every it's time. It's funny, I had this that. conversation last week, but I, I think that there's, there's, there's an assumption within small agencies that if we don't have a significant budget, then we still can't, we can't tap in. But I don't believe that's true. And certainly we had a meeting with Google last week, okay, and we haven't got a significant budget in mind right now, but they're really, really keen to share and, and generally build knowledge. Yeah, and I want to add to what Reg said, and I think this is especially important for folks out there who are trying to refine or build a, a new model within their respective agencies. I think the benefit of a small agency is that there is such a focus on culture that is because it can be controlled more, I think, by a slightly smaller collective of people. Um, and so what I, you know, if you are inherently a curious person or if you're someone who does this, it really being benevolent and trying to bring that excitement to the rest of your colleagues is, is really a good service. Uh, you know, we used to do a lot in the larger agencies to get people excited about new tech and new platforms. And I think that, unfortunately, while the population was generally excited, uh, sometimes, you know, at a corporate level, people are like, well, that's nice, but this isn't really important. Like, we have to go make money. 
And my attitude is, listen, you, we make money off of ideas. Ideas come from creativity and inspiration and learning. And if you don't do any of those things, you've got nothing to sell. We have nothing else to sell. So if you are in a place in an agency, even if you're not a tech expert where you inherently love to learn and explore and you could help facilitate that on behalf of the population of your company, whether at a leadership level or at any level, absolutely do it because that is uh, it sometimes just takes one person to kind of you know be that spark um and i can't emphasize enough how important this is because it generally is one of the first things to go along with just internal education initiatives in general when people get strapped down or they're strapped for money and say oh well this is nice but this is like fluff and i'm like no it's not this is how we learn uh you don't take a creative team lock them in a box for 10 years and then pop them out to do to do work like that it, we need to be exposed to what's out there and a lot of that is through peer-to-peer -peer sharing it's through uh opportunities that we've discussed here it's great if we can get a vendor on board or or a technology partner but ultimately even if you're a curious person you could do a great service to your colleagues and to your company by pushing those types of uh initiatives forward that's great, Fred. It's, it's, it's great, but really simple, okay? In our business, curiosity is not an optional extra. It's not a get to it when I've got time. Definitely not. And, just, and also, just to, to, to also build one more build on that, uh, I, think, I think it's interesting that, you know, at an agency that I worked at before, one thing that we did for the whole team was to get everyone certified on Google Ad, you know, Google Words, uh, AdWords. And it's an online course that you can take as a group and everyone gets a very good sense of, you know, how search, actual, search marketing actually works, um, the algorithm. Uh, and you can do the same thing for, for voice nowadays with, you know, um, voice being a big uh, search engine as well. You can do the same thing with uh, AR, VR and others. So like, you know, it's, it's usually it, it's stuff that is available for everyone. To do, and you can get those certifications through Google, Facebook, Twitter. Just and, put and, a bit of skin likes. in the game. I like that, Rick. So, listen, I was going to go somewhere else, but let's just stay on the voice because it, it's one of my questions I've got. Okay. So, I was looking at a walk study just uh, last week where they talk about how 40% of US adults are using voice search daily, but two thirds of clients say that they're not prepared for voice in any capacity. And I don't think that's a client issue. I think of that as a client and agency issue. If 40% of adults are using voice daily, but two thirds of clients say they're not prepared in any capacity for voice, that feels like a massive gap. How do you read that? And what can we do? Fred? You know, I've done a lot of work in this area. And I think that, you know, part of it is, and, and I, I will bounce it back to the agency side. I mean, there are, there are companies where you do have someone in a capacity similar to mine or an adjacent capacity who is championing these types of things. It's not common and sometimes it's just not enough. From the agency side, if you are working with a client who falls into that realm, um, I think part of it is an understanding problem. Um, and I think uh, inherently it's kind of the old thing with, with any type of new technology. It's when people don't understand it and it doesn't feel attainable they back away from it and they say, we're not ready to do this. You know, so when we talk about not prepared, uh, there's a couple of ways you can read that. The first thing is we are not either financially or capabilities wise prepared to do that. And that's a common thing. The other is we're not mentally prepared to do it. And I found that to be more the case when we, when we talk about these types of situations is 
we have a bunch of other problems to solve. Like, you know, we're, we're still working on like our TV and like our traditional display media and like paid social and things like that. Um, voice is a nice to have, right? I think part of that's an, that's an education gap. To your point, you just quoted a readily available and very accurate statistic on the high usage of voice. And that's a statistic that every client should have. Uh, the further connectivity piece of that is as an agency, having the means to be able to create that feeling of attainability for a client and understand not only how important it is, but how attainable it really is. And, you know, voice isn't what, even what it was a couple of years ago. The adoption curve, as you've just reminded everybody, is going up extremely fast. Uh, the technology is ubiquitous, regardless of the platform or device you use, and in lots of different form factors, but more so the ability to create and deploy things on those platforms is getting much simpler. There's a huge field of uh, expert vendors who do it, most development shops do it, but also a lot of the platform partners, uh, Google's a great example, have rolled out ways to kind of make that more attainable by templating some of this. Uh, so that it's not a huge endeavor, you know, same with the Amazon environment. So it's not a huge endeavor. If you're a brand who wants to be able to answer some very common and basic questions and, and have an interactive voice conversation with a consumer, it's not as hard as it used to be. So I think a lot of it is a learning gap. And it's something that, unfortunately, uh, a lot of the burden falls on the agency as the innovator to say, hey, guys, this is actually highly attainable. And, you know, again, here are the use cases, here are the problems we can solve or the communications that we can make possible uh, with this. And I think that uh, that that is really something where the agency creates that uh, that connectivity. And again, it, it's not, it's a common problem with a lot of technology, voice being one example. I remember it was the same with things like augmented reality many years ago, even though that's a technology that's been around for, for quite a few years exponentially longer than voice, but now it's just starting to be discovered because of the learning and awareness curve over its capabilities. And, and to be fair, some of its, its cost and uh, technical attainability, but voice is highly attainable um, at this point. And a lot of the major platform players are, you know, it's no longer just like an app building exercise like it used to be in the past when, you know, it's like, okay, we have to build a mobile app. It's a huge cost and uh, capabilities undertaking a lot of uh, platforms are building this into their offerings right so amazon's a great example where they focus with alexa it's not just about doing cool informational stuff on alexa although you can do that but a lot of their ecosystem and their paid ecosystem is enabled through voice um, so even customers who are making a basic inquiry about a product that's available or answering some basic FAQs, that's inherently baked into the way that they're doing business. So even just by virtue of being a client who is spending money with these platforms to, to uh, advertise product, these things are attainable. You just have, but, but, you know, agencies, whether it's your media agency or your AOR has to help make those connections and basically say exactly what I'm saying now uh, to, to, to a client. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, but Fed, it's also a great reminder when we were talking earlier for me of that my, in my, in my heart, when I'm asking the question, I'm naturally leaning in towards how can we use, okay, identify the problem, et cetera, but voice in order to create a, an evocative emotional connection. Whereas actually the answer might be, it could also be a utility, like you were just touching on now with, with, with the Amazon Alexa point, okay? How do we actually provide a utilitarian service using voice that benefits our clients as well? 
I think sometimes it's very much in between, right? I mean, it is hard to, I'll, I'll be honest, it is hard to ev evoke an emotional response from a voice device, uh, even as good as they continue to get, because people are entering it from a utility standpoint. We're not at a point yet where people are sitting down like, hey, you know, uh, go okay, Google, tell me, you know, tell me how I feel today. You know, it's like, it, it, we're not doing online therapy, <laughs> some of these voice platforms, right? So it's it is hard because it is a machine, and and I would say it's actually probably a little bit harder than it is at some of the more traditional digital platforms because people when they hear a voice, they in their mind put it to something corporeal, right? Um, so to them, it's like I hear a voice, therefore I should be able to perceive emotion, I should be able to have empathy for this thing, I should be able to uh, perceive empathy, and, and the reality is these are still just machines. They happen to have a voice interface on them, right? So I think that's going to be the big challenge for some time until the technology gets to a point where it can convey a little bit more depth. So I think utility first is not a bad place to be, uh, but if you want to be in the middle, there's a lot of ways to uh, to do that as well. But I would agree that it's very utility focused, and you know, even when you think about things like you know, um, my daughter loves to say Alexa, tell me a joke, right? And she could do that for hours, right? But she also knows that that is a very utility thing, right? Like she's laughing, she's having fun, but ultimately she's got a box shooting jokes back at her instead of a person. And she knows it's a box. She doesn't think it's a person or a playmate, right? So that distinction still is not there yet. Yeah. Ray, what were you going to add in? No, I was going to say that, you know, I think to break the... Voice can be used for either, to your point, like, you know, it could be the middle ground, but it's either, basically, in my experience, it's either for information or for inspiration. Uh, and you can find a way in the middle as well. Some brands cut across both sides of this of this spectrum here. But uh, usually, I think, for clients who are not investing in this thing, one of the reasons why this gap is there is because, you know, they're not probably thinking, the agencies and the clients themselves are not thinking of the minimal viable product of that yet. Because when you think of voice, there's a lot of amazing cases out there of, uh, of stuff that we did a lot of those, by the way, too. Like, you know, uh, you know, it's very well orchestrated, large, uh, you know, big thinking, large investment kind of stuff. But there's a lot of utilitarian stuff that you have to start doing uh, to get, you know, um, the share of voice that you need in the voice space as well. Because it's, it's different from, from the share of voice that you get, uh, the share of search that you get in other platforms. So it's simple things about, are, is your content, you know, uh, voice ready? You know, do we have, an, uh, do, do clients have a clear understanding of the main questions that people are asking uh, on a known voice search uh, engine about their brands and products? How can you translate that into voice? Because sometimes if you ask a question on Google right now about something, it's going to give you a... Uh, three minute, you know, a lot of paragraphs of lots of words that doesn't work on voice. So are you able to adapt that to the voice environment? Is it voice ready? The content that you have, like, I think that's the first thing that like, just make those things happen and, and get the, the information of the brand and the products that people are looking for ready to be on, on, on a voice platform and just put it out there just to get clients a little bit more acclimated. And, and possibly less uh, skeptical or afraid of what the, what, what the thing can be. That's a minimal viable product for this. And then from there, you're taking them on the journey of becoming more and more of an engagement and connection. Great reminder, Craig, that we don't uh, need to boil an ocean in, in step one, right? But as, as we're all learning as well. So uh, we touched upon this a little bit before. Give me both of you, um, let's, I, I, I'll stay with you, Greg. 
give me an example of a, a technology-enabled idea. It can, by the way, it can come from your own your own case study list. But one where you think that was a fantastic way of how technology really enabled the idea. Tell me what and why. Why you love it? Absolutely. Actually, this is something that we just launched uh, in partnership with Kroger. Self promotion is absolutely um, fine. Kroger has on this yep. show. It's not a problem at all. Keep at it. No, seriously, <laughs> I really like this one. Go. <laughs> Uh, this is awesome. Like, so basically, we created this uh, in partnership with uh, our client, Kroger. Uh, Kroger has a very strong commitment to sustainability. They have a very strong sustainability agenda, and they're trying to, uh, they, they put a lot of money and, and energy behind reducing food waste. And we were looking through the data as we work with them and understood that 40% of the food waste actually happens at home. It's not in the industry, it's not in the, you know, on the channel, it's not on logistics. It happens at home. People throw away a lot of food. And digging deeper into that, why that happens, we, do, we understood that that happens mostly due to lack of creativity. So if you open your fridge and you have five or six things that are still there uh, and you don't know what to do with them or how to use them together or individually, you end up throwing them away because they're going to go bad. So when you look at that, you know, working with these clients, they say, well, let's create a, a platform that educates people. And, and, and we start thinking about content and where to put it. But then later, again, going back to what's the problem we're trying to solve, we found that there is a different way to do that uh, with the audiences that we really wanted to do it. So we created something called the ChefBot, which is a Twitter meets Lens meets AI uh, solution. Uh, and we launched this thing. Basically, it's it's uh, be totally based on these insights and the problems we try to solve. It's a it's a tweet, uh, a Twitter profile that you tweet to this profile the picture of three or four ingredients that you have in your fridge right now, and it tweets back to you a recipe. What you can do with that, and and it solves the problem. So we just launched this thing last week, and there's already a lot of movement happening there. The technology is not perfect yet; it has never been done before. So it's one of, uh, so so of course we keep on fixing it as we go. But the success rate has been amazing, and people are throwing less stuff away because they are really leveraging what they have left on their fridge until the last moment. So this is where uh, this is I think it's a great case. Has nothing to do with voice, of course, nothing to do with, with other stuff that people get really excited about. Uh, but we're using a legacy platform like Twitter to enable people to, you know, reduce their own uh, footprint and their own um, Great food waste. Way. And listen, it, it draws me back to something that you were talking about earlier. We were talking about how curiosity is absolutely critical in, when we're in the imagination or ideas business. Like, do you think the curiosity is also critical for a client in this case because you just talked about launching something that isn't quite perfect yet and so we're working on it but it feels to me as though you, that's quite an ambitious client also one that's willing to see how it works is that fair it, it, i think it is very fair and honestly we we try to gear the agency more towards progressive marketers who who um are really kind of encouraged to by you know self self uh, uh, inspired and motivated to leverage new technologies and, and be the first at doing something. Kroger is one of those clients amongst the other ones that we have, but uh, I think you can still spark that type of ambition in whatever client you work with. And I had that in my experience as well before in other agencies and in, in the 22 years working on this thing. That you know you you can increase the ambition that a client has. And I think when you're showing ideas, the more you make it a habit 
of bringing ideas that are totally, it's the boldest thing you're going to have there in the portfolio of ideas that you're bringing and something that leverages something that no one has ever done before or even the client hasn't done before. If you create that muscle, that habit of doing that, you little by little start seeding new ways at looking at things and, new, and, and lowering the risk adversity that clients have when they're not as progressive. Love it. So Fed, how about you? Give me an example of a, a technology-enabled idea that you just love and, and why. Actually, previous to my time with uh, FGX, I was at Cody Beauty. So we're a large portfolio company. We own brands such as CoverGirl, Clairol, um, uh, Wella. So I think one of the more exciting projects we did was for Clairol, um, which uh, many people know is like at-home hair color. Brand's been around for a gazillion years. Um, and that's a brand actually, it's very hard to reinvent. Um, and is very much, you know, when you think about let's do some new innovation, it's, you know, people always go toward brands that they perceive to be innovative. Um, and it's actually not that Clairol isn't innovative. It's just that from a digital standpoint, we don't necessarily associate some of these categories with new innovative service for the consumer. So, you know, DIY hair color at a category level is actually a very tricky category, mostly because it is tricky to do the first couple of times. A lot of people fail. A lot of people exit the category generally the same day that they enter it. And that's a huge challenge. And, you know, it really comes down to an education issue. And look, you know, there are videos online how to do it. You could, you know, you could pull out like the instructions from the box. But ultimately, there is a hands-off nature to the process and most people don't really realize they need help until they're in it, right? And so one of the things we thought about for a long time, and actually this dates back to my days with Gray, where Clairol was a client, and we were trying to solve the same problem then, is how do we use a hands-off approach or a hands-free approach to, um, to making this category better and making the process better? So we created something called the Clairol Color Expert on the uh, Google Assistant platform. Um, and the idea is that, you know, as a Clairol consumer, you, you know, you buy a box of hair color, you go home and it, as you are about to embark on the process, you can say, okay, Google, let's talk to Clairol. And automatically you start to get walked through basically a step-by-step, -step, uh, you know, kind of lifeline through the process all the way from ascertaining what type of product you have, helping you get the right things set up and prepping for the process, and then also walking you through the process during, you know, helping you with uh, setting a timer, keeping you busy and occupied, uh, giving you tips and also reminding you when it's time to rinse out. So these are things, you know, this is not a new issue. This is an old issue solved by a new technology. And the thing that made it perfect was we didn't say, and, you know, and I think a lot of this was because the problem has been longstanding. We didn't say, cool, We've got Clairol, we've got Google Assistant, what can we do here? Is there something here? It was, this is a problem. People have a lot of trouble entering the category because they don't get the results they want. But it's also a process where you don't have the luxury to sit down on a laptop or start futzing with your phone. So what makes perfect sense is a platform that doesn't require your phone, doesn't require you to touch anything, just requires you to speak at it. Uh, so the Clairol Color Expert was launched, I think it's a year and a half ago, maybe at this point, maybe a little less. Um, and, and I was really proud of it in particular because to me it was the perfect marriage of the right technology solving the problem at the right time. And, and I'm, I'm very proud of it in particular because it was a multidisciplinary effort. Um, the, the brand team understood the value of it. And it was also, it was a big reckoning for that brand and many others as to, you know, this is not a toy. This is not a shiny object. This is a service. Service is what sells in a category where there's many other players. 
great story because also I'm hearing and that comes back to kind of like where we began, right? In terms of the fundamental challenge for, to overcome this bright and shine as we talked about, but for technology to really enable an idea is it, let's really focus on the problem we're solving. And you just described in, in, in Cody, I heard a, multi, a, a number of different problems, okay? The utilitarian problem of I can't actually interact uh, with a computer when I've got my gloves on and I've got dye all over my hands, as well as the you know fundamental issues about how do I actually get better at using the product and building not just a functional benefit but also that emotional benefit from the with the brand. Excellent. I think it goes back to the conception of this podcast, right? The whole the origins of the whole thing. It's uh, the best cases we see out there, be that ours or someone else's. It always comes from a very clear understanding of what the problem is trying to solve, and that and it just fits perfectly with that. Uh, one thing that I would inspire people to do, encourage them to do, is to really learn about these te- these platforms and technologies, understand how people are using them, and how that can help you solve the problem, but also. Imagine new ways that people could use it. Sometimes we can create something entirely new for the platform, like we talked about for sh- for ch- uh, for the Chefbot, uh, for Kroger. That has never been done before in this type of platform, and we can help the platform go to the next level as well. It's, great, it goes both great ways. Looking at it, Greg. So listen, just picking up on that uh, that future focus, Fred. What are you most excited about when you think about the topic of discussion now about t- the technology-enabled ideas? What excites you most about the near future? Hmm. <laughs> that is a good question. You know, and I'm somebody who sees a lot on a regular basis because it's my job to do so. So for me, certain things are, you know, uh, certain thing, uh, like I don't always have the, the, the magical sheen that I think a, a consumer, like a layman consumer would have, which is kind of unfortunate. I don't want to say I'm jaded, but maybe that's the way I'm saying it, right? But I, I continue to be very excited about the combination between AI and many other types of endpoints. It's not one specific thing. I and mean, if you look at voice, uh, voice is an AI enabled, at least to some degree, uh, piece of technology. Um, you look at um, most of the mobile apps, devices, services we use, they're AI enabled. And I know it sounds kind of cliche, but AI is exciting to me, but it's also um, for its ability, I think, to start to apply some connectivity and thought uh, or machine thought anyway to certain uh to certain things that we do, you know, in our lives. So I, I, anything that really, to me, inspires connectivity. I mean, nothing is better than just even the basics, like being able to, you know, be in my car and as I'm approaching my home, be able to, you know, automatically, you know, because of my geolocation, be able to unlock my front door. It's like really basic stuff like that (laughs) that gets me excited, which kind of falls into the IOT uh, place, but it's a combination of a lot of things. So I think like this, um, uh, how do you say this sort of tapestry and mashup between all these evolving technologies is exciting because you just don't know where it's going to go. And a lot of technologists say I'm excited because I can see where this will be in five years. I won't lie to you and tell you that I can because I can't. And I think most people can't either. Um, because if you, t- if you go back two years and try to predict where we were today, we couldn't have, right? And so I think I'm very excited about the potential of all these different things connecting. And I think part of that will be um, as things become more standard and more uniform, as more players, uh, you know, grow in the field and others drop off. And I've seen this many times over. And I think that's going to be a key too, is that some uniformity of like the big players. And not that I necessarily condone like big companies stamping out others, but a lot of big companies are an aggregate. 
of smaller pieces of smaller companies, ideas, uh, founders, technologies. And so I think as technology becomes more standardized in certain ways, it's really exciting to think about what it can do. I mean, and again, I go back to like the Google Assistant example. I mean, it's one of the two, um, I mean, three if you count Siri, but I mean, you know, it's one of two or three core voice assistant solutions and virtual assistant solutions. And so, you know, being able to, and anything you go and, you know, you look at most major appliances. I mean, I realized my dishwasher is Alexa enabled, which is to be honest, absolutely ridiculous, but kind of cool at the same time, you know? <laughs> so I'm just excited about the connectivity between these things. And as certain technologies become uh, higher in adoption, become more standard as things go on, just picturing what life may be like in a year or two from now is, is absolutely fascinating. So, I mean, I guess the, the short answer is I'm excited about everything, but I think AI as an enabler is great because it adds a degree of context and intelligence uh, to that connectivity. Um, I'm a big fan of voice and virtual assistants because I think they are a connector in a lot of ways. So it's a lot to be said. I continue to be excited about augmented reality, although that's not per se a new technology, but I'm excited to see that it continues to become part of the mainstream um, and the adoption curve has has exponentially grown in just the last two to three years so well listen this is a great closing to riff because when i think about where we started okay that is technology enabled ideas is it a bright shiny thing or connected thread i heard today that the answer could be yes to either but what we need to do is really think about how do we really focus on what problems we're solving like you guys, both of you spoke very eloquently and passionately about. And that passion was really interesting to me and fairly your answer just now of the enthusiasm that we need to have in the ideas and imagination business of how do we maintain our curiosity and think about and learn about new ways to solve problems. That's how we can deliver stronger, better technology-enabled ideas. Fantastic. So any closing thoughts for the, the, the listeners in terms of the topics for today? Anything that we haven't covered or any, any point of emphasis you want to make? Greg? Uh, again, I think, I think you already hit all the points there, but the only thing I really would inspire people to do is like, you know, imagine. I think imagination is, is what drives the creation of technology and the best use of it. You know, uh, there's going to be a lot of engineers and a lot of very smart people who are going to create technology there. It is our responsibility as marketers and as uh, agency folks to to push it to the next level, to all it can do. So without our ambition behind it, our push, uh, the tech is just tech. I hear you. It's great. How about you, Fred? Um, I, I second what Reg said, but also, it, it, again, it's to always think about how technology is a it's a constant companion, it's a way of life, it's a connector, but it is not the solution in itself. And this is coming from someone who lives in technology. It's think about what you wanna do, what you wanna achieve, whether it's for yourself, whether it's for your business, whether it's for your client or, or any combination of those. And think about ultimately how technology becomes a bedfellow, not a magic wand. Guys, time's up. But as ever, I've listened, learned a lot today, and I really uh, loved your enthusiasm. But thank you both so much for, for sharing this discussion. Fred, Greg, stay well and hopefully connect with you properly soon. Thanks, guys. Planner Parlay, a Truth Collective production.